from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Okay, stop episode 95. We are uh, almost coming up on a century here. Yeah, wow, it's cruising by. (laughs) Still no idea for the the 100th, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. Plenty of time. Gonna get Beer Gorillas on. (laughs) Oh man, I bet he's a tough character to get a hold of. Gonna expose him for. The shenanigans oh, they tried to pull, saying they were in the wilderness and they were in Glen Ellis Falls. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Did we talk about that in one of these earlier episodes? I think we might have. We did, yeah, yeah. That's they, a great story. I know. It's just so disappointing, though. Yeah, it is. I actually purchased that episode just to see it, and uh, I still have it on the uh, on my systems. So I'll have to watch that one again because that was really silly think you're in the middle of the Pemi wilderness and you're like five seconds off the road oh yeah absolutely right yeah glenn ellis right glenn ellis falls yes yes oh well it's the camera trickery all right stomp you have something you wanted to ask me on the script transitions transitions let's go yeah um i i saw this article about unsolved murder mysteries and the data shows that in 2021 only 50% of homicides were solved according to FBI statistics and I thought that was really interesting I just wanted to get your take on it because I know you're the big um, data guy and uh, love these unsolved mysteries so what's your take on this that's pretty shocking to me so I looked at this article so that what it's saying is that of the murders that happened only half were were solved right exactly less yeah exactly which is pretty stunning. Yeah, I'll have to check this out. I mean, my theory would be, and I'm pulling this open as we look. I mean, my theory would be that murders get solved when I think a lot of these unsolved murders are likely in urban environments, higher crime areas where, you know, police may be stretched. Like, I think. You know, the higher profile stuff that tends to make the news and like primetime in 2020. Like, I think those things get a lot of attention, but my guess would be that the sort of inner city, sort of, I don't know how to say this, but like the sort of normal sort of day to day killings that happen, they probably don't get that like much attention. Like, that, you know, like inner city, someone gets killed in inner city, like Little Rock, Arkansas, or St. Louis, Missouri, they're, you know, it makes the news for like a day. And then after that, it just disappears. Maybe the people don't have any family. And then, you know, my guess is that's the stuff that ends up getting unsolved, ends up being unsolved for long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting article, but. Yeah. I'll check um, it out. Yeah. There's this, there's a little bit of talk in here about the disconnect between the police and uh, major cities, especially African-American communities. So it does touch upon that a little bit, but. I don't yeah, know if yeah, a parallel. I mean, 
Yeah, and like I said, I think in urban environments, it does. It's a little bit difficult. The matter of fact, I saw this like disturbing video yesterday of um, a guy basically getting executed in St. Louis. Like it was a, a you know a homeless guy and somebody else getting in a fight, and they just it's just brutal. So it's it's a little bit yeah. scary out there. But I don't know how much of it is like reality versus you know the news and social media just makes this stuff more accessible. Like I've read that like homicide rates have gone down since their peaks in like the late 80s early 90s so I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know but it's certainly like a, a, a there's something to the idea that like certain cases get way more attention than others do and you know I don't know why that is all the time I got some theories but it's just you know I think mm-hmm. just keep yourself safe out there because you don't want to be one of those unsolved murders that's for sure yeah absolutely Thanks for starting the show off so enlightening, Stomp. <laughs> On an upbeat, positive note. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of unsolved <clears throat> murders, I just I sent you this over the week over the weekend, I think. Uh, but mm-hmm. Julie Murray, who, we talk about Mara Murray a lot. So Mara Murray is um, young girl that was driving up in Haverhill, New Hampshire on Route 112, which is sort of the other end of the kink that people don't go towards. And she went missing on uh, 2004, hasn't been found. It's on 19 yeah. years. And her sister, Julie Murray, does a, she has a TikTok account and she had just posted an update of something that I never heard of. She wasn't even aware of. The police mm-hmm. found a phone number in the car the, the day after the accident. They went to the car and they did an inventory. They found a phone number. The phone number belonged to a family that was local to where Mara and Julie had grown up, which I think is Whitman Hanson area. Yeah. Julie just found out about this last week. I don't know how law enforcement let her know about it or whatever. So the phone number was that belonged to a family. This family was well known to the Murrays. They had actually uh, very commonly rented condos up in Loon Mountain for ski vacations pretty frequently. So Julie finds out about this, reaches out to the family. The family's like, no one's ever contacted us. We don't know anything about this. Hmm. So wouldn't you think that's law enforcement? That's surprising. Would, yeah, wouldn't you think law enforcement would have reached out to the phone number and investigated? But apparently they never yeah. did. Yeah, it just stokes the uh, the embers again. Like what? That's a, that's a big mistake. If that was a, a mistake on their part, not seeing it, or just I, w- I would hate to think they would have ignored that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think. I suspect that law enforcement in the early days of that case probably figured like, yeah, she's a runaway or she was drunk and she had somebody with her, got picked up and she'll pop up at some point. And they, maybe they just didn't put the focus they needed to in those early days and miss something. But it makes you wonder uh-huh. if they missed that, what else did they miss? Yeah. I, I saw the emotion on that woman. Was that her sister? Yeah, in Julie, that video. Yeah. Yep. Holy Moses. You could tell that they still live with this every single day, like it happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. The family's been through hell. And the father, Fred yeah. Murray, I mean, he was up there bushwhacking with friends, making, you know, he's got some relationships locally where they were able to do some searches. And, you know, he's a fellow hiker. And I've always felt bad because I think the early stages of Mara Murray, when the case blew up, a lot of people sort of pointed their fingers at him and the family as being involved in this. And they're clearly not. And it's just like, he's an older guy now and he's a fellow hiker. So it just sort of breaks my heart that he's, him and Julie just don't have any closure at this point. So, right. 
Anyway, this is very depressing, Stomp, so why don't we switch gears a little bit? I'm going to do the show intro <laughs> again now because okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about some cool stuff in this segment, and I want to add it to the intro. So cool. welcome to episode 95. This week, we revisit a topic that we covered way back in episode three, the 52 with a view list. People often complain about crowds and their desire for more solitude on the trail, The 52 with a view list will offer hikers in New Hampshire, for the most part, a chance to experience some of the less crowded and more scenic peaks in and around the White Mountains and um, even outside the White Mountains. So, yes, there are some busy peaks on this list as well, but for the most part, you know, it'll get you away from the crowds. So we'll break it down for those of you that are thinking about exploring something other than a 4,000 foot peak. And I'll do my best to sell you on why I think this list is actually better than the 4,000 footers. All this plus Stomp goes to Livermore, Mike goes to Cabot, we've got some beer talk, we've got some pop culture talk, we got snowmobile crashes, and we've even got some Bigfoot sightings in New Hampshire. So, Mike? Hello, <laughs> Stomp. Let's get started. That's a good teaser, right? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Speaking of Bigfoot, there, there's the new show on Netflix. Have you seen that? There's uh, something new. Which one? I don't know. It's a brand new one. This this woman is hunting down Bigfoot and whatever else. I just saw a brief little headline about it, but I was curious if you had seen it. No, I no? haven't seen it. I haven't seen okay. it. I'll have to check it out, but I might as well yeah. just... I had this one set aside a little bit farther down, but I might as well just raise it up. So there was an article yesterday in um, the Conway Daily Sun. We may have to track this guy down, but... Um, he let me see if I can pull it up here. Holy moly, is that looking at that picture he's holding a ceramic cast of a, a foot and a half long footprint. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So Wow. <coughs> so excuse yeah, my he, excuse my voice. I'm I'm suffering from a sinus infection. Oh no worries. So yeah. um this gentleman basically he's a local um in the area and he, matter of fact, my free preview just disappeared on me, so I can't reference the article, but I'll do it off of memory. So local gentleman, um, he had recently done a talk about um, local Bigfoot sightings. So he is a, I guess he's involved with the biggest Bigfoot uh, research organization in the in the country or in the world. And he's like one of their, he's like their mic, it sounds like. He's like collects data. Yeah, and, it's a database. Uh, yeah. I, I do have access to the article if you oh, need you any Good. help. Yeah, so he has a ton of data, and um, he did a presentation somewhere locally, and the news covered it. He he went in at the end of the article. There's like a couple of different like sightings that he claims were that are documented that he claims happened in the New Hampshire area. And it's kind of funny. Like they ask him, like, where did you get this info? And he's like, I can't disclose my sources. <laughs> so I don't know. Either he's, you know, he's either full of garbage or maybe he just wants to protect somebody that's like, I don't want to be, I don't want my name on this. But it's interesting. Huh. He said that there was a Bigfoot sighting at Redstone. So that's like an old quarry behind Walmart in North Conway. Okay. He, he said that there was supposedly hikers on Mount Tom that heard some rustling in the woods that sounded Sasquatchy. Sasquatchy. Yeah. It could be a moose. Adjective. Sasquatchy. Sasquatchy. So, and then there's some other, I don't know what else is like a list down the bottom stomp up. You can see. Well, what's interesting is it says that the database that he's a, he's a part of goes back to the 1800s. So I wonder if you couldn't data mine that 
information and come up with some pointers as to where to look and where to, um, you know, do some reconnaissance to find these creatures that supposedly are out there. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. Like we had that, there was that article that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where they said there's a correlation between the population of black bears in an area and Sasquatch sightings. So I think a lot of people get confused about a black bear versus a Sasquatch. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense though to me, for sure. Yeah, so maybe we'll get this guy on. Well, is he a a local? Yeah, it looks like he's local. Sandwich. Tom Baker of Sandwich. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow, cool. He's a former fighter pilot, too, so he's not some kook. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, we'll add that to the uh, the ever-growing queue. Yeah. Not to say we wouldn't have a kook on. I'm happy to have some kook on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. That's funny. uh, and, And thanks for our friend Al for giving me a heads up on that article, too, by the way. Uh huh. And I've actually got two more things that Al had sent over that I'm going to use right now. So, Stump, do you play video games at all? Have we ever talked about that? You know, I had my heyday back in like the 90s and 2000s, and I'm sort of burnt out on it, to be honest with you. But I was a big gamer, like all the Steam stuff, uh, Half-Life and uh, Portal, things of that nature. Uh, But not anymore. I just find them too stressful, <laughs> to be very honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I was always a big like Nintendo guy when I was growing up, and then we had Sega in college, and then when I when I moved to Boston and lived with my friends, we were PlayStation. Yeah. And then when I moved, when I got married, I had like a I got into like Civ three and like Age of Empires. I like those world building oh, games. Oh yeah. And then those when the great. kids were little, I got the Wii. And I didn't really do other other than just the Wii, and now I've got Nintendo Switch, so huh. I do a little bit. I do FIFA a little bit, and mostly like I go back into the Nintendo sixty four games on my Switch. But um, Al had sent us a couple of video games that are hiking related, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and I yeah, think the first one stomp. This one may motivate you to get out of your retirement slump on Steam. So the name of this game is The Missing <laughs> Hiker. It's a video game on Steam. Okay. It's called I still Missing have my Hiker. Steam account. Yeah, yeah. It's called Missing Hiker, and it is a um, short indie horror game where your brother Ethan went missing while hiking, and then you need to find him. And it definitely has like a... The preview has a very like the last of us walking dead type of vibe to it you know gas stations at night hiking at night with a headlamp looking at tents driving in a car to a trailhead so it looks pretty it looks pretty solid and it's got a good rating on steam huh yeah will do that's awesome i have been looking for some games yeah i'll add that to the show notes and people can check it out and then the other one that Al had sent over, and this one's more sort of educational, is there's a NorthShoreRescue.com, which is, I don't know where this is involved, but it looks like a a search and rescue team, and they put together a interactive experience that was funded by the Ricks Family Foundation, Methanex with support from Talon Helicopters. And basically what it is is survive your own adventure interactive experience. And it's a like a, a click by click. So it says this interactive experience features scenarios that some players may find uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. So it's all about sort of like 
search and rescue and rescue missions and stuff. So it seems pretty interesting. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. So it looks like it's like they give a summary of information. Then you have to do some sort of like interactive pieces and then maybe answer some questions and make some decisions on where to go. Okay. So choose your own adventure. Very nice. Have you seen the um, the Mount Everest um, hike games that are out there? No. They're pretty neat looking too. Just do a quick search for them and they'll pop right up. You know, they're, they're three-dimensional as if you're looking at Google Earth or something similar. And you can more or less just hike your way up as if you were trying to make your way to uh, Everest with all the different base camps and things. But there's all kinds of neat stuff coming out. Yeah, yeah I'll check that out too. Mm. Uh, very well, Stomp. So car break-ins hit WMUR. You said that they were like a week late, so you picked up some <laughs> later articles about it? Yes. Well, I just started on WMUR. I'm like, wow, why why a week late? So I was just actually proud that we had captured that story so early. And, um, I, you know, I think we're starting to do that quite a bit lately, actually. And granted, we're always on uh, social media and things like that and ripping around some of these uh, forums and whatnot, digging up in news. But yeah, Slash was ahead of the curve on that one. Any more news on that, by the way? How was the last weekend or... or was it my car stories? survived. I was on Cabot and my car survived. But I think, I unfortunately, sure. the last time we had this situation, like it was on the kank, it was over the summer. And it was like, it would go quiet for a couple of weeks and then it would pick up again. So yeah. my guess is that they had success this time around. They're going to try it again. So I think anybody listening, like just do yourself a favor, keep your car unlocked. Don't have any valuables in there. Even if you've got like, I know Lynn was talking about how she has like the um, sort of a a lock device around her. I wouldn't even mess around with that stuff at this point. Like I was thinking about it. I think that it's better to just not leave anything valuable in there and just get them frustrated and hopefully they'll go away. Mm. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Who knows what these people are thinking, but yeah. Yeah. That was actually part of my my reasoning for my hike this last weekend. Um, You know, I parked right down on 302. I did, you know, the car's right there on the highway, so I felt a little safer doing that. Uh, But yeah, you can never tell. Yeah, Stomp made um, made a nice reel on his hike. We'll talk about the specific hike later on in the show, but he made a video of... Uh, Livermore, which we've talked about in the past, which is an abandoned ghost town that used to be a big booming logging town with a train station and mansions and a whole population of people. So as you make your way up Sawyer River, Livermore is past the 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 summer parking um, parking lot there. So you did you make that video yourself? No, that was actually uh, Lynn Sweezy uh, that put put she did the the editing. Uh, I gave her some guidance and I had recorded just the snippets and I had sort of an idea of what I wanted to get out there to everybody. But uh, she did a phenomenal job and I think it really captured the heart of it in a very brief, succinct uh, video, which is not easy. I mean, the whole magic with the reel is that these, they're so brief, but they're right on the point, you know? Yeah. I'd love to do more of these uh, and we will. So many things to talk about. Was it surreal standing there, like in the, because uh, you were by yourself, it's like wintertime, you know, it's very quiet, all the sounds kind of cushioned, is it just weird <laughs> thinking that like that used to be a bustling <laughs> logging town? It's incredible. When you look at the old uh, black and white images, it was a fairly large town, 
and to have it whittled down to, to just this little parcel. I mean, I didn't have time and it was pretty cold. So I, I wanted to explore, but I'm sure you could find other foundations in and around that area. But uh, it's amazing. It really is. It's a, strange to think about what happened there and um, the people that lived there, the pictures of the children playing and it's amazing. The, the diesel engine, um, not diesel, but the uh, coal-fired trains that were coming up and down. It's amazing. And now yeah. it's nothing. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And you know what's really wild about it is the... You know, I think about the family that started it. So the, the Saunders family started it. So the patriarch is this guy, Daniel Saunders. Ah, yeah. This guy, he founded Lawrence, Massachusetts. So Lowell was the first textile textile mill town. So they basically oh. said like, okay, you got to set up by a, by a water, water so you've got power. And, you know, they set up Lowell as sort of like the textile mill, which started the Industrial Revolution. Then they went up river and they were like, well, you know, we, we, we made, we learned some lessons from Lowell. Let's really make, optimize the way that we can do these textile mill towns. And they just basically took, it was like five guys that were in Boston. They got investors and they just built Lawrence as an optimized textile mill. And this guy, Daniel Saunders was like one of the founders. They built a dam. They got all the water rights that they needed all the way up to like Lake Winnipesaukee and then built this textile mill. And then he goes on. He has two sons. He ends up going up north. So he's he's a textile baron. And then he goes up north. I think his 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 son, his namesake was Daniel Saunders. He married, I think the lady's name was Mary Livermore. So that was how they decided to name the town Livermore. The younger son had married um, somebody from, I think it's the Norcross family. They were already lumber barons up in, I think, the Grafton area. So they sort of showed the Saunders how to get the rights to logging in for the, the Swift River, the Saco, and um, in the Sawyer River drainages. And they were the ones basically that sort of showed them how to do the logging and they got the rights, built the railroad out into the wilderness and then established Livermore over time. So not only did this guy find, who was a major founder of a, you know, a huge industrial city, then he goes up again and becomes a, a logging baron. So it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to be a logger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think he he founded Lawrence in, you know, the mid-1800s. And then by 1874, they had approved all the, the I guess, the, the, the rights for the Grafton County Lumber Company. And then those family members, the Saunders family, along with a couple of others, did the construction in Livermore. And I think by 1876, the town was incorporated and then they were up and running by 1880. And I think, didn't it say the town was in place until like 1931 or 1950 or something? I honestly don't recall. I'd have to look up the article, but it's possible. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy that uh, that they were able to achieve that. But now yeah. it's it's a tough location there, I would think, because you know there you're kind of in the middle of even like Twin Mountain in that area is not very populated. But like Conway and Bartlett obviously had a, have a pretty good population, but they're mm-hmm. just a little too far out, I think, to be viable. True. Yeah, and the geography is a little tough. I do mention that in the reel. Like, you're literally on two, it's like a gorge. I mean, the, the foundation is probably, the, the base of the, the gorge is maybe 100 yards wide. I mean, it's not the most hospitable area to make um, a town uh, safely, I suppose. That was my big question. Like, how how could this be a safe place to build a city? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was only really like a twenty-year period where the logging was was really robust because you got to figure by like I think it was like nineteen eleven. The Weeks Act came in, and that's when like the 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 clear-cut logging I think pretty much stopped in in the whites at least. And you know, like we talked about how cars became more popular in the early nineteen hundreds. So it's just a lot of change going from like this guy Saunders, like his. His life went from textile mills, industrial revolution, all the way up to, you know, his sons experiencing the automobile. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Daphne's bugging me here. Sorry. Well, she is. Uh, we're talking history. <laughs> she so, always but, does. <laughs> yeah. Daphne's going to be history. You gonna you gonna make more of these? Oh, I think you and I both should, um, especially with the help of uh, others to. Give it that nice sheen, you know. It's neat. I don't know if anybody has uh, ideas of things they want us to cover. Uh, drop us some uh, emails or direct messages, and we will uh, consider that for sure. I have a couple in mind, you know. Um, I, when it gets warmer, Mike, I want to go up to that uh, World War II concentration camp for the POWs. Yes, uh, in Stark. I want to. I, I was thinking about it now. And I'm like, nah, that's probably the place to go when the snow's gone, just so you can see historical artifacts and things. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah. I, I would do that. Cause I need to, I want to get back up to Nash stream and, and hike Sugarloaf again. I didn't, that was one. And we're going to talk about the 52 with the views. That was yeah. one of two peaks that I hiked with the 52 with the views that I didn't get a good view. So I would like to definitely do, do that, go up there and visit Stark and then get up to Nash stream and, and hike Sugarloaf again. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. We can tackle that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the last thing on this, the uh, the comments on that reel were funny. Everybody commented, very cool, <laughs> when they saw the reel. Like, it became a joke amongst all the uh, commenters. It was great. I don't, Touché. I tried not to say that for like at least the last 50 episodes, but I maybe I've slipped. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's stuck. Maybe the bingers are the ones that uh, were commenting, but yeah. Could be. Very cool. Very, very cool. cool. Very cool. Um, <laughs> Do you ever get nervous when you're doing these videos and you're talking that like someone's going to walk up and you're going to feel weird? Yeah, like like Sasquatch. <laughs> no, it wasn't too bad. Or just like another person, like you know. You know what I'm more concerned about is having my out of breath, uh, shortness of breath coming through on the video. So before I even press record, I'll try to get my breath and cool it and just make sure I'm cool and collected. I'm the worst with that because I try to take like <laughs> videos, you know, scenic videos, and I don't, I don't talk, but I am definitely like, <laughs> you know, because you're going uphill. 
Oh, you know, yeah, exactly. But the other thing is getting facts wrong or like details when you watch rewatch videos, you say stupid things. Like there's one point in there where I say span versus bridge, but what I meant was it was a span for walking because it was so narrow, but it it was not a bridge for driving. That's what I meant. So you, it's like you hear that like after the fact, the uh, quarterbacking, like, oh, I should have said that differently. <laughs> but anyway. Well, speaking of breathing heavily, the Mount Washington Road Race Lottery. Uh, so the the I guess it's March second. So that's tomorrow. That tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we're recording Tuesday night. Tomorrow is the big day. We'll we'll uh, lose a hundred bucks in registry fees, whether you're in or not, and we'll find out. Yeah, apparently. Well, Emails wait a minute. So if you're registered, just so that people are clear, if you don't get in, then they don't charge your card. So are you sure about that? Yes. Yes. All right. Because I remember prior sure. years where I'm pretty certain they took a hundred bucks win or lose, but that would be nice. Yeah. No, they don't. They don't charge if you're not in. If you don't get in. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. You're in, right? Registry wise. I registered. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's touch base tomorrow and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> oh, by the way. So, what happens if you do get in? That's my big question. Are I just? Are you going to go on your chicken diet? Yeah, yeah. You see the, this treadmill behind me? Uh, I need a, I need to have access to one of those babies. That, yeah, that goes up to twelve percent, awesome. and I'll be I'll be running on that thing. Yeah, you're gonna change your diet though dramatically. Why? Why would you I have change my diet? I don't know. Are you at the proper rate uh, weight for no. the race? No, no, no. I go my chicken chicken and rice diet. Oh yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Nope. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking I want to come in around two hours if I get in. And that's that's even a, like a fast walk. I calculated um, if I'm going three miles an hour, that's a good six miles, two hours. If I can boost it on the flats or the, the relative flats, I can get up to four and come in around two again like I used to. Uh, what do you, What's your plan for that? Any expectation? I don't know. I... I think my best time was an hour and 37 minutes. and wow, that's great. That was a few years ago, and I think the last time I did it was an hour and 50, and it was pretty hot that day. So, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't run. My last half marathon, I think I did an hour and 30. I think it was an hour and 37, my last flat half marathon. So, I don't know. Okay. I definitely oh. feel like I've slowed down the last year and a half. So, good question. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Hopefully the weather will be uh, decent. Yes, we'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed and we'll we'll update everyone next week. Um, speaking of my diet is not going to be helped because we're going to Reckless on Sunday, Stomp. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the invite, uh, Reckless. Uh, we got invited to the uh, the event this Sunday, celebrating the release of Ty's new beer, Full Conditions, and you know the proceeds are going to the New Hampshire Outdoor Council. It's going to be a really nice time. Uh, but you're right, yeah, it won't help the waste waistline. Um, I guess the plan is one o'clock they're hiking Willard and they're they're having people at the top with you know just as a safety measure, and then sometime around four or so people will start gathering at the Pint House, and um, there'll be a Q and A with um, Mike and myself and Ty. So that's pretty neat. I was I was really impressed that they uh, invited us and I appreciate it. 
I'm shocked anyone cares what we have to say, but we'll see. Maybe, <laughs> maybe no one will ask me questions. I don't know. Right. Well, that's what I said. Like in the shadow of giants, like it's sort of humbling. Like, wow. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing everybody for sure. Um, yeah. So that's good. And then the hike for content club i had a question do you remember at the 100k celebration we had jeff from boston asking us if we hiked for content or if we hiked because we enjoy it (laughs) or something to that effect i want to know is mike feeling the pressure to hike for content (laughs) or is he enjoying it (laughs) um it's a funny question yeah that's a good question yeah no i i'm i'm hiking because i like to hike like i'm not yeah I, I've always been like that, at least for the past five, six years or so. I think what's helped me right now is I'm pursuing a list. So I care more about like completing the list than I do like, oh, I got to get out there for content. But it's good to have stories to talk about on the show, of course. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. Um, for me, it's more boat. like, yeah, it's more about like, oh, crap, I, I've committed to finishing this list. And even though like I know it doesn't matter if I finish the winter 4004 or this winter or next winter. Like I'm see, I see the progress and I guess I'm a goal oriented person. So it's nice to sort of check off my spreadsheet every week to say like, Oh, I got one more. Yeah. That's really the, the pressure that I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. My main motivator is I feel like, you know, with, um, like, you know, search and rescue, that type of thing. I feel like you get rusty if you don't get out there and you lose your, your fancy footwork. You know what I mean? So that's what, that was what drove me to get out and bushwhack this weekend. Cause I'm like, I want to get out and bushwhacking is a whole different balance structure when you're out there. So for me, it's again, it's just like sort of keeping those muscles and the muscle memory fresh and not getting rusty sitting around doing other activities. Um, occasionally I, I will think like, Oh, I got to get out and do something for the, the show but for the most part it's because i enjoy it and don't want to get rusty yeah and for me it's like you know i think about you know we've had martin on a couple of times talking about sort of the the end goal is to stay healthy well into your older years and i think like i saw a lady hiking this weekend and she was definitely you know older but she was plugging away she was going up cabot and sort of like if I can still be moving and hiking mountains when I'm that age, I'll be pretty happy. So I think even getting out once a week, even though not every week, and definitely this hike to Cabot, I wasn't feeling it in the very beginning. You know, it's worth it to get out. So I don't really, you know, not not getting bored with it yet. <coughs> Excuse me. That's awesome. Yep. You bet not, because we have nope. to do another hundred episodes after this. Hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, in fact, I'm hiking on. I'm going to hike on Sunday. I don't think I'm going up to Willard because it's just a little bit out of the way. But I am going to uh, do something on uh, yeah. on Sunday before. So I'm going to hike before I go to Reckless. So if anybody's going and they're going to see me, I might be a little stinky, but I apologize ahead of time. Nice. Uh, that'll be fun. Yep. We're getting so much snow. Bring your snowshoes. That's for sure. I know. I know. It looks like it'll be breaking trail on Sunday. Yeah, I swear to God, I thought the winter was done and uh, i should have known better yep it's coming back all right stop next subject here you get snowmobile tension what's going on yeah this is interesting one of the groomers one of the local trail systems uh the clubs uh posted that he was actually 
resigning from the club because he had a disagreement with other members of the club regarding when and when not to open trails and this and that. You have to have a six-inch foundation, but there's a deeper problem that's arising. And when if you've ever snowmobiled, you'll see these little tiny signs that say, uh, stay on the trail or stay home. And what's happening is a lot of the trails in this trail system are on private land. And if the foundation's too shallow, you're destroying private property. And what's happening is a lot of the private uh, landowners are getting pissed. And this is becoming a huge problem and it could really impact the snow trail system here in the state. So stay on the trail is uh, what I can tell you. I just wanted to bring it up because it's important to me. I I love snowmobiling and uh, I just want to see people ruining it for everybody else. And that's really a reality now. So you got to cool it and follow the rules. A very interesting story. It is interesting, Stomp, but I just don't have time to invest in another hobby drama. Like I just had too much yeah. drama going on in the hiking community. I can't. <laughs> I can't worry about the drama going on in the snowmobile community. I get it. It's interesting, oh, yeah. but like I just can't invest. Oh sure. Yeah. Otherwise, there is really no drama, though. I mean, yeah. there are a couple pages out there, but tame compared to the hiker stuff in my opinion yeah so anyway yeah well good luck i think you know the snow this weekend will will solve some of those issues oh for sure no question about it and um apparently there was another earthquake 1.5 up in north woodstock so they're becoming a little more frequent something to keep an eye out for big ones coming (laughs) yeah i don't know what's the story with that but yeah interesting who knows and, uh, hey, we made it to the pop culture talk and we're under an hour. We're like at what, 35, 40 minutes? Yeah, we may have to skip some of this stuff, but let's. Oh, uh, absolutely. Let's, let's start yeah. with the Golden Gators Award for, uh, yeah. for next week. So here's the deal all the uh, submissions are in and the votes have been tallied just before we started recording. I finished them. So next week's show will be the Golden Gator Awards. And, uh, you know, make sure you dress up in your, your, your tuxedo and pop the champagne and we'll go through what you guys selected as your favorite uh, or the best of the White Mountain hiking community. It's that simple. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We had 48 categories you know, to match the 48 peaks and some of the um, uh, results are really some of them are surprising, some of them aren't and some of them are actually really hilarious. So you're going to have a really good time and uh, we're going to make it a great show. Um, beyond that I mean, what's happening in pop culture? Cocaine beer was a hit. Did you see this yet? Or I've not seen it, but apparently it uh, slayed the box office. So that's interesting news. Um, I do not intend to see it. It just—it's ridiculous to me. Um, are you going to see it? Yeah, I think I'll see it. Like I like these. I think the timing of these types of movies. Like, remember when Snakes on a Plane came out? Like, and it was like it was in the cultural zeitgeist for a couple of weeks. Like, I think these types of movies you you can't. You can't um, have them come out every week, but like every there was an Anaconda movie as well that was pretty popular at one point. So I think these types of movies are fun, like kind of campy horror movies, which are good. But uh, I'll check it out. <laughs> I'm sure at some point. Yeah, interesting. And then as for the Lord of the Rings, I mean, um, apparently Warner Brothers is planning on doing a film or a series of films, and of course everybody rolled their eyes. The Lord of the Rings fans, particularly after the effort that Amazon uh, went after with this. What was the name of it? I didn't even watch it. It was just 
not my cup of tea. Uh, but there is hope because Jackson, Peter Jackson, may be involved with this. And uh, it's very interesting uh, to me because Amazon is in a rough place right now uh, due to the reception of that series, the, um, the last one. And uh, Warner Brothers is probably looking to stick it to uh, Amazon, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I actually started coming around to the Rings of Power, which is the Amazon series. I kind of came around towards the end once I... The first couple episodes were rough. Yeah. But uh, I don't know what they're doing. Are they going to remake Lord of the Rings? Are they remaking The Hobbit? Are they going to do something with the similarity? I don't know what what the plan is. All the above, actually. Yeah, even even keeping it present time, like just right after the ring is destroyed. Uh, so there's all kinds of talk about potential storylines. Silmarillion would be tough, but hey, more power to you. If, if you get the right crew making it, then it's all the difference. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Lord of the Rings, the, 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 the first tri- both of those trilogies were excellent, so I don't see... Yeah them may trying to redo those in a successful way that's going to be better than what they already did but maybe maybe they could surprise us i don't know yeah who knows we shall see but you know that's with when you say peter jackson i I, my ears perk up for sure so we'll see yes Uh, we we have our first sponsor for the show valkluse gear back sweat sucks in all types of weather and hikes not only is it uncomfortable sweat is a risk factor causing your core temperature to fluctuate if it doesn't evaporate off your back check out valkluse's cool dry backpack airflow frame a backpack accessory that installs in your favorite pack size 18 liters to 65 liters and creates an airflow gap between you and your pack whether you're in hot or cold temperatures even if you have a pack with a curved frame the cool dry frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow visit valklusgear.com to order a cool dry frame today uh, you can get your stickers at ski fanatics and spinners in andover mass off of uh, Dascom road uh, don't forget if you're interested in advertising with us we have a whole bunch of packages you can look into just uh, send us an email at slasherpodcast.com and uh, I want to say thanks to EMS and Reckless for being such great supporters over the uh, last many months of the podcast and of course the listeners as well who keep on donating for whatever reason Mike they're donating which is super cool uh, <laughs> this is great Ty Gagney actually donated 10 and, um, you know, he just gave us a nice comment and um, gave out a little shout out to the Reckless event for this Sunday. So thank you, Ty. Super cool. Again, in the shadows of Giants. So, and then we had another donation, Outdoor Adventures with Huck, who donated three. So thank you, guys. Thank you, John. very much. He's a good dude. Oh, Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys are friends. That's cool. Well, he was on a hike with us. Stomp. He was one of the guys on the hike. John. John. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. Because he mentioned the uh, the hike. Yep. That's right. Uh, let's see. We have another donation here. Since you already did the intro, not a donation, a sponsor. CS Instant Coffee, zero waste instant coffee that comes in compostable packets, perfect for the trail and home. Each packet makes about 20 ounces of coffee, so you can take one of them on an overnight trip, and it makes two pretty good-sized cups of coffee. Put it in your backpack, find some hot water, and you're good to go. Learn more by going to our show notes or Google CS Instant Coffee at csinstant.coffee. 
the through hikers are leaving Springer Mountain. They should be all using CS Coffee when they when they head out. But the bubble is starting Absolutely. to move forward. I think they said so. I saw sixty seven or sixty eight people um, checked in at Springer on yesterday. I believe. Wow. So they're starting to starting to flow, and usually between like. This week and the next two weeks is where you get the biggest volume of people starting, and then you'll have some people. You have a pretty good volume up until April, you know middle of April. Yeah. Huh. Well, then they'll be up posted. in the White Mountains, probably. You know, July. Yeah. Oh, by speaking of long trails, I do hear rumors that Cheswick is planning another crazy adventure. So I can't reveal it at the moment, but uh, word is it's going to be even bigger. <sighs> Oh boy, I'm exhausted thinking about it. No kidding, it's amazing. All right, Stomp, anything, what are you drinking tonight? Do you have any beer? Are you uh, drinking any beer, Mike? I got water tonight, and I'll explain why in a moment. Hello? Oh. Mike just disappeared. He might have been Sasquatched. I don't quite know what happened. I bet he pulled out his USB cord. Or he was abducted by Exit 33 UFO people. Or, oh, what else could happen? Or Russian bots hacked the server and shut us down. That was weird. Very weird stomp. Had a little little blip there. Uh, yeah. So what are you drinking? Oh, uh, just a little cranberry juice. I'm I'm sick. I have a little sinus infection, so I'm taking it easy with that stuff. Uh, so you have to carry the weight here. What you got? I have nothing. I'm drinking water. Wow. A couple of steps, Mrs. Huh? M- well, Mrs. Mike bought beer, but she didn't get an IPA. She got Allagash White, and I didn't. I had one the other night, and I didn't really like it. So oh, I, I interesting. don't have any beer besides that. Huh. Yeah. Oh boy, that I'm telling you, if we get into this race, bears history for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, true. True. <laughs> Anywho. That is true. Uh okay, so no beer. We're losers tonight for sure. Stop. So recent <laughs> hikes, uh so I know you talked a little bit about going over Livermore, but that wasn't your hike. What what were you doing over there on uh, Sawyer River? Well, I thought I might try a little modest bushwhack and um I decided upon a small little peak that's literally right off of the beginning of Signal Ridge Trail. So, you know, you had to walk up two miles to get to the trailhead of Signal Ridge, which leads into Carrigan and the Hancocks, if you want, and a few others. And uh, it was like a foot of snow uh, with a crusty, somewhat icy base underneath. And it was a nice time. It's, it's about, I'd say it's probably almost a mile to get to this summit. Uh, beautiful open woods. There was a cool little register at the top. And, uh, you know, in the one of the reels I think I had suggested this is a nice little beginner bushwhack for people that want to learn how to, how it works in the winter anyway so that was about it and uh, yeah a couple snowmobilers on the, the road on the way up and uh, a whole bunch of hikers coming up after the fact at least a dozen hikers coming up with full packs ready to camp out overnight at Carrigan like oh pretty cool so that was about it just a, it was a 500 highest peak for me so that puts me up another notch on that list what's the name of the peak signal ridge parking lot peak if you look at signal ridge trail 
Yeah. It's the first high point literally right there. Um, Is it to the left of the Signal Ridge Trail or to the right? To the left, which would be... Okay. Yeah, yeah, to the left. Yeah, I see it right there. Yeah, pretty neat. It looks like it's a hot skip and a jump, but trust me, it, there were several false peaks, and uh, it was there was this beautiful ridge to start with, a very narrow ridge that you had to... Uh, snowshoe up and with a huge drop on either side and then that opened up in open woods so it was really nice nice experience yeah. interesting yeah, yeah. share my screen here stomp so i can i can see the peak right here yeah yeah that's very good that's exactly it yep yeah it looks like a little it looks like a, little, a perfect like um little small mountain yeah and men, many of them are on the 500 highest list it's just it's based on that 200 foot prominence if a summit has 200 feet it's uh on the list so now you made it awesome. up you made it up way north i went way north long drive um was snowing a little bit as i got got there but it was um yeah mount cabot so i went up to york pond mm-hmm. so i had to go through yeah you go i went up 16 i went through pinkham notch and then gorham and berlin and up to jericho and then you know you get right past jericho and it's the next turn down yeah and then you gotta go down about six or eight miles so gotcha. half the half the challenge there is to drive oh sure so yeah, I went and I, I when I did the hike, I wasn't sure I was gonna. I made the decision at the summit whether I was gonna go around and hit the bulge in the horn and come out unknown pond because it's really only not even a mile difference I think between the out and back and doing the full loop. Yeah. So was it broken? Uh, but yeah, I, well, I'll get to it in a minute. But yeah. the so it's a pretty good. I mean, for those that haven't hiked Mount Cabot. The the normal approach is you take the, I think it's Bunnell Notch Trail, I think is the name of it, and then it takes you out to the, the back of Cabot. But it basically, it's sort of an up and down um, ascent off the side of the mountain where you go across a couple of different drainages, and then you hit the backside, the Kilkenny Ridge Trail, and then you go basically up the backside of Cabot, and then... When you get there, there's a little cabin there. So they redid the. I guess they made some repairs to the cabin. I don't really couldn't really tell. It looked the same as it always looked. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, a creepy place. But, it was anyway. Yeah, it's a little creepy. There's four, four. Yeah, there's four like beds there that you can stay on if you want. But I honestly <laughs> like. It would take a lot for me to stay in there. I would much rather tent or hammock even in the winter. But. Um, you got to go past that little cabin. There wasn't any views. It was, I got some good views on the, the bundle rock was, um, there was some good views, but nothing when I got up to the cabin and then went over to the summit. And then I was looking at the, at the trail and it was like one set of snowshoes had come that way. Yes. The day before. Yeah. So it would have been like oh, the trail was broken, but like only one set of snowshoes going one direction. So it was kind of like eh, it was. I would still be breaking trail from the perspective of it wasn't a clean trail, and I just was like, I don't really want to get myself in a situation where it's going to take me an hour to go a mile because I'm breaking trail. Right. So hmm. I ended up just doing a note and back because the, the trail was really well broken down when I was um, heading up there. But it was just past the summit, heading to the loop was just not not looking great. Huh. And this is part of your winter quest, 
This is the winter 4,000 footer list. So this is number 41 for me. Time's ticking. So time is ticking. I've got Cannon and Owls had left as sort of one offs. Mm -hmm. And then. I don't know why I was thinking this way. I, I thought I was going to do Hale as as my as standalone, but I think if basically what I would do is Owl's Head and Cannon, and then I'll do a Traverse where I'll I'll leave I'll park at Seven Dwarfs, do Hale via the Fire Warden's Trail, then go down to Zealand Hut and then finish up with the Zealand Bonds Traverse. So it's the same mileage pretty much as the traditional Zealand Bonds Traverse. So I might as well just hit heel on the way out. But the question will be whether or not I I can get to it this winter or not. Yeah, I hope you pull it off. That'd be great. You going to do it with me? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You want to go to Howell's Head with me? Oh, yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat. I love it out there. I love the remoteness of it. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, that, that's the, that's the question. Is on Sunday. Like, I've got to decide. Like, do I was thinking about maybe going out to Owl's Head and then coming back and then going to Reckless, but it's gonna be a long day. Yeah, it sure will be. Now, you okay? How was the temperature? Because it was fourteen degrees when I hit um, parking lot peak. It was pretty cold. I was moving. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like one degree, I think, when I got there. Wow. And then big difference. I was in. Yeah, my legs were a little cold actually on the beginning of the hike, yeah. and then I had on I had on my fleece layer and my soft shell. I took the soft shell off. I just had my my fleece layer on the whole time. There you go. Which wasn't bad. Hmm. And then I took my gloves off after two miles. I don't think I put them back on. Right? Isn't that funny how it can be so cold and you stripping down and nothing? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Didn't see didn't see too many people. Saw one lady coming up, and then I saw a couple up top. And then as I was coming down, I saw an older couple. And then I did see Mike Masil. Do you know him? I think he's a works for Redline Guiding. He was there. Huh. Joanne Hall, and then this a gentleman by the name of Tom, who is doing the single season winter four thousand footers. Yeah, I think he's over seventy. So I just said hi to them. I didn't know who they were at first, and then they reached out to me afterwards and said hi. So I, I'm nice, you know, just chatting on trail. Yeah. Ah, and that's one of the categories on the Golden Gators. What's your favorite uh, thing to say to other hikers passing you on trail? But you will find out next week. <laughs> so we get a whole bunch of tags this week. Thank you, everybody, for tagging us. Uh, if you want to be... Uh, mentioned on the podcast just tag slasher podcast and uh we will mention your trip so we had uh jakester d2 jake and julie did avalon field and tom for 28 and 29 out of the 48 uh run cast run did parker mountain trails with a pup beautiful pup salmon seven uh tackled mount washington and unfortunately had some leg cramps and uh that's tough man hydration is the key for that um, Shandy tackled Franconia Ridge and uh, it was an attempt I guess uh, the weather started to get a little spicy so they bailed which is always a good thing to do the mountains will be there tomorrow yes SS Skinner 519 tackled Moose Lock 
and we have Full Strength Coffee and the Veterans on the 48 tackled Mount Washington with, I believe it was Redline, if I remember correctly, in very cold temps and blustery uh, conditions. Steve Summits did Old Spec for 54 out of the New England 67. Sam Hikes, New Hampshire, White Dot up Monadnock. Sam's pictures were awesome, too. They're, I'm telling you, man, I am so impressed with Monadnock. What a cool mountain. Uh, Dave Shits in the Woods. <laughs> Tackle Pine Mountain, Chapel Rock, and Harriman Falls. A little bushwhack there. And then Rhonda uh, Willette, 68, tackled North and Middle Tries for 23 and 24 out of the winter, 48. Oh, she's catching up to you, Mike. She's catching up on the beach of Rhonda. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, everybody. Uh, any of those stand out to you, my friend? Who wins out I of this would group? Say... I don't know, Stomp, you pick. All right, Full Strength Coffee and the Vets on the okay. 48 with Red Line. That's, that's a like pretty it. epic adventure. Good work, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's and, awesome. And now uh, we do have uh, an advertiser, and then we get on to the first segment here. So 48 peak, Peaks Alzheimer's. Hike to fight Alzheimer's with 48 Peaks, a fundraising and awareness event for the Alzheimer's Association. Join 450-plus hikers this summer as we hike New Hampshire's 4,000-footers or create your own hiking adventure from a 52 of the view to a Prezi Traverse or climb your favorite mountain. Together, we will paint the mountains purple and raise vital funding to advance the care, support, and research efforts of the Alzheimer's Association. Visit alts.org right slash 48 peaks to learn more all right yeah stomp we gotta figure out um like i've been i did a hike last year with my friends beth lynn and mindy and my sister-in-law my brother and my daughter and stuff like i think i can get that crew back together for alzheimer's maybe we'll do a a hike if you want to want to join up with us or something we'll do a little fundraiser for that sure yeah yeah sounds great like a slasher group yeah, we'll paint the mountains purple. All right. Yeah, I've got my shirts yeah. ready to go. Yes. <laughs> Slasher's hiking topic of the week. All right. So, um, slasher topic of the week. Here it is. The 52 with a view. So, we covered this in... I think episode three, so I just basically wanted to do a, a do-over on this one to try to maybe do a better job than we did in the original episode, because I think we were a little rough. It's crazy how those episodes, by the way, Stomp, I looked at the like the the scripts, and it was literally like written out exactly what we were going to say, and we would read it word for word. <laughs> exactly. I know. It's so crazy. Oh, boy. And that didn't even help me too much. I mean, I was terrible. You had half a clue, but man, that was rough. <laughs> Very stressful. Rough, they were. Anyway, um, so 52 with a view. It's a complimentary list that's typically pursued by people who have completed the 48, 4,000 footer list or those who look to hike a slightly easier mountain with, you know, guaranteed views. So that's sort of the prerequisite is that... Um, they are um, under 4,000 feet, located in New Hampshire. They have to qualify as a summit with the with the 200 foot prominence, and then you know, for example, like Mount Height and Bootspur, they don't qualify because they're over 4,000 foot, but they have the prominence issues where they're not they don't qualify for uh, 
with the 4,000 foot of list and they're right. not going to be available for the 52 with a view either. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, 52 with a view list was created by the, uh, over the hill hikers, which is a hiking group out of sandwich, New Hampshire, and the founder, uh, basically, it was created in the summer of 1975 with a handful of friends, and, um, you know, they were founded by a lady by the name of Lib Bates. She was known as the original den mother, and then her late husband, Charlie Crooker. There is a website called the overthehills.blogspot.com site that you can go to to learn all about their history. Uh, but eventually they started off by um, hiking 4,000 footers week by week. Typically they did Tuesday hikes and then they would usually do an overnight on one of the AMC huts or uh, they would do some other ski adventures and things like that. Um, eventually the, the club grew and then in a, around 1990, some of the older members felt like the 4,000 footers were a little bit too much. So the den mother, Lib Bates, she came up with another list called the 52 with a view. And the idea was is that they would compile the shorter list um, to basically identify really good viewpoints in and around the White Mountains. It's a... Um, you know, the idea is is that you would do your 48 4,000 footers and then you do your 52 with a view and that would comprise a hundred summits of um, of New Hampshire hiking so um, over the years the list of mountains has changed a little bit there's about seven or eight retired peaks and I think the last update was a few years ago for uh, for the list here and you can basically you know there's resources that are available for you to track the the details of the summits but before i get into that just one last thing about the over the hill hikers stomp and i thought this was interesting is the group is specifically for lakes region so they're not taking on new members or anything like that they've got a pretty big crowd but Mm -hmm. they organize weekly hikes and the way that they do it is they've got a group which does 4,000 footers and more aggressive hikes. They've got a B group that focuses mostly on the 52 with a view. And then they've got a turtle group, which is like three to five mile hikes that are huh. usually a little bit shorter. So I thought that's a pretty good way to break it down is A, B, right. and turtle. Yeah. yeah. I should look into that turtle group. <laughs> I might yeah, fit maybe, right in. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you won't qualify though. They, they said they will only limit it to people that are in the lakes region. So, Oh, man. Not quite there, Stomp. Man. You gotta you gotta haul your butt over sandwich notch you might qualify. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh. Yeah. All right. So for fifty two with a view, if you want to get started, um what I would suggest is there is a uh, a guidebook that uh, was written by is written by Ken McGray and I think Ken is on maybe his third version, second version. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but he's definitely, I think he did the first version that, and then there was a, the, some of the peaks were retired. So he did a second version. And I think now he's doing a third version. I'll have to, I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put a link to the most recent uh, version for people. Yeah. Ken also runs a 52 with a view hiking Facebook group, which is really good. A lot of people post their hikes there. You can get a lot of information about, um, the hikes, and then there's also files there that have the list of the summits for you to target, and then also you can reference the Over the Hill Hikers webpage that has some information on there. Um, 
Again, the differences between the 52 with a view and the 4,000 footers is that these peaks are below 4,000 feet. I think the the lower peaks sort of top out at around 2,800, so it's usually between 2,800 and 3,900 feet. Um, this list is more spread out, so it does overlap right. the 4,000 footers somewhat. Um, from the perspective that, like the most difficult 52 with the views, like you could say Shakora, Bald Face, like. Crawford resolutions like those hikes can be just as difficult or more difficult than some of the easier 4,000 footers so there's a little bit of overlap there mm-hmm. um, I would say the easier peaks of the 52 with the views are better beginner hikes for people in general um, and then geographically this list is more spread out so you're talking about you got a you got like three or four peaks that are in like the the southwest corner of New Hampshire You've got um, a couple of peaks that are in the far north. So it's it just tends to be more spread out. And then the other thing about this list is that the 4,000 footers, there's more opportunity, I think, for you to cluster summits into single hikes. Like you can do the Twins Galehead Traverse or you can do... Um, you know, Franconia Ridge, or you can do a presidential traverse. Like the opportunities to do that in the 52 with a view list are not as frequent. Like there's a few that cluster together, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, you're going to do like maybe two, three peaks a couple of times. And then after that, it's like a lot of one-offs that you got to do. Sure. Yeah. This is a good example of the clusters over here. Um, You know, you could conceivably do Welsh Dickey and then head up north and do Mount Pemi or, Maybe, uh, what is it, uh, the Sugarloaf, Middle Sugarloaf? I mean, this is a fairly, fairly close. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking from the perspective of like not having to drive and, and split right. it up in two days. Like I'm just, yeah. in the 4,000 footers, I feel like there's a lot of those where you can string together multiple peaks and, 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 and do things like that. Like even like the Carters you could do, but there's not that many in the 52 with the views. There's a few that I'll talk about, but for the most part... <laughs> they tend to be more um, spread out. Mm. Um, So with that stomp, I would say what I wanted to do next was to kind of go through very quickly all the summits on the 52 with the views and just sort of highlight the ones that you can string together. And then if you want to give your perspective on any of these, just let me know. Sure. I'm going to do rapid fire though, okay? All right, yeah, you got it. All right, so the highest peak is Sandwich Dome, and then Sandwich Dome would typically be put together with Jennings Peak, right, right. which is about a mile and a half away. Connect. That area that's right by Stomp's backyard there. And the thing about Sandwich Dome is that the, the view is kind of going away a little bit, but that's a nice area, right, Stomp? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, and that's a challenge. Yep, yeah, that's a challenging hike. Um, next on the list, and these are by elevation, by the way, is Mount Star King, which is the summit that you would hit right on the way to the Wombach Summit. And Star King actually has a better view than Wombach, although they both have pretty good views. You got to go past the summit of Wombach a little bit. Um, it's known for having the the fireplace there. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. There's a little piece of history there. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing about the. There's a lot of these 52 of the views. You can pair them up with a 4,000 footer. Mm. Um, speaking of that, the next one is Mount Webster, which is right in um, Crawford Notch, and then typically people will pair that together with Mount Jackson. So you can uh, you can get a 4,000 footer and a 52 with a view. Next is the Horn, which is typically paired together with Mount Cabot in the far north. Sure. 
great great uh, access from Unknown Pond, uh, just yes. south of Stark. Yeah, that's a great um, summer hike, and you mm. know you also would hit that if you did a full Kilkenny traverse, you can get that as well. Mm. Uh, Shelburne Mariah Mountain, which is off of Rattle River, so up in Gorham and that area there. Yeah. Take Rattle River, and then if you want to pair that together with Mount Mariah, you certainly can. It's not like a, it's not really a traverse. It's like out and back, and then another out and back with Mariah, kind of like a T if you wanted to do that. But I think Shelburne Mariah is something that, I think it's a mountain that people sleep on, and they don't realize how amazing the views are there. Mm-hmm. Next up is the Sugarloaf in the far north. So this is Nash Stream. I talked about this one. This was one that I did. Yeah. That I, I didn't get a good view, but if you want to play up in Nash Stream for a weekend, yeah, you can hike the Percy Peaks as well, which we'll talk about later on in this list. But it's a it's a Sugarloaf's an interesting. It's like an old logging road that you hike up, so it's not really even a trail with an old tower foundation at the top and a. Yep. Uh, an iron cast furnace up there. Some neat stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was socked in when I got up there. I don't remember that hike that well, but it was. Uh, it's an interesting hike. Um, the next one here, and I'll talk about this whole region here. So North Bald Face. So the Bald Face Loop, um, and essentially when you hike the Bald Faces, you can um, you can do any combination between Bald Faces, which is two peaks. And then you've got Eagle Crag and then Eastman Mountain. So there's four peaks there in that Evans Notch area that you can do them all in one hike or you can do them split up. I think I did the Bald Face Loop, went back and did Eagle Crag separately and then did Eastman Mountain uh, separately. So mm-hmm. take your pick. Yeah. Um, next up is Mount Success. So Mount Success is uh, one of the farther north peaks what's the name of that road that it's off of i can't remember now oh success pond road yes yes correct yeah yeah and this is this hike is known for having a plane crash site that uh, plane crash in 1950s i think so you can go down below the summit and explore the wreckage yeah and it's the southern aspect of that range that you did last summer right yeah that's part Mahusik. of the grafton um grafton notch and mahusic notch uh, traverse mm, beautiful up there it's remote not too many hikers it's awesome. Great views Gorgeous. in the main. Yeah, it really is. And on, yes. on um, success, there is a plane crash if you're interested in scoping it out. Yes. Yep. Um, next up is Mount Martha, uh, Cherry Mountain. Stomp me and you had done that hike previously. That's a great hike. I think that what stands out to me for that is that is like when you get to the summit, it is a straight shot down Crawford Notch to... To, to view down into the presidentials and it's it's pretty fascinating to see that view yeah great stuff yep um next you've got Mount Chikora and Middle Sister so these are peaks that are pretty close to each other you can pair them up if you want or you can do them separately I prefer to do this um going up Carter Ledge and then heading over to Middle Sister and then looping back down from the summit of Chikora down Piper or you know any any other way you want to get down is always a fun hike. Mm. Next is Mount Stairs. So I typically will pair Crawford Resolution and Stairs together. These are three peaks that are pretty close to each other. Mm-hmm. This is, you can access this via the Davis Path, which is off of 302, very close to Sawyer River Road where you were on Kerrigan Stump. Yes. Yep. Um, 
Next is Mount Avalon, which is typically paired with 4,000 footers, Willie, Tom, and Field. I did that one a few weeks ago. Avalon is brutal. <laughs> brutal. It's, it's a 500-foot climb from the trail split, and it's like straight up. It's like probably oh, yeah. a five 600-foot climb in less than a half a mile. I it's think. amazing. Yeah. There's <laughs> another one, uh, Mount Tremont, which is sort of the same thing. It's like a very steep climb that um, you know comes at the end. It's it's just really a butt kicker. So then we've got the Percy Peaks, which oh, is like I said, favorite. off a of Nash Stream Roadway in the far north. Um, and then another one in the far north, McGalloway Mountain. So this is mm-hmm. a pass like Pittsfield. Have you been way out there, Pittsburgh? Have you been there before? No, not that far. The furthest I've gone is the. Uh, <clears throat> the Sugarloaf that you had mentioned. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So this is like, if you go through, like if you go probably another 20 miles north, McGalloway's up that way, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, the tricky part about McGalloway is it's like a dirt road and a logging road, and it's it's kind of sketchy. You don't know if your car's always going to make it. So if you get a small car, I wouldn't recommend it. Take a four-wheel drive and then... It's another one of these hikes where it's really like it's not a trail. It's it's just a like a logging road, right, right. And cool fire tower up top. Hmm. Yeah, I have to get up there. It's just such a hike sometimes driving. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then uh, next one on the list here, we're getting down to like thirty two hundred feet of elevation is Kearsarge North, which even though it's thirty two hundred feet of elevation, like that's a that's not a that's not an easy hike. Now is this the uh, the one with the? This is the fire tower in Chatham, correct? No, no. This is this is the Conway one. Okay, because there's one in Chatham that's listed as well. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. I see. I always mix those two up. Yeah, that this dude, is Kearsarge yeah, North. Remember we did that uh, that hike, early morning hike, and we caught the uh, the undercast, and it was just that was a tough hike. It's yeah. a good good yeah, challenge. Yeah. Um, next up is Smarts Mountain. So Smarts Mountain is over by the Dartmouth Skiway over in western New Hampshire. So its closest peak is, so this is on the Appalachian Trail. So before hikers on the Appalachian Trail, they get through Hanover and Smarts Mountain has a fire tower on it. It's got a little hut there. And then you get over there and you can, you can also, you go through Mount Cube as well. So that's an interesting area that doesn't get as much travel. Yeah. I love Cube. I've never been there. I just love the name. I'm dying oh, to get great. out there. Cube is, Cube is a great one. Um, there's a North Summit. So the, the main summit's got some nice views, but then there's a North Summit as well that's got amazing views out to like Musilaki. Hmm. It's gorgeous. Hmm. Uh, next up is the Moat Mountains. So these are the mountains that are behind uh, North Conway that uh, we talk about quite a bit here. So you got North and South Moat Mountain. South Moat is a good one-off mountain if you want to do like an easy beginner hike. Yeah. And if you want to go crazy, you can do a traverse across to basically start on Passa Conway Road, do South Moat, and then you can finish up on North and then make your way out to Diana's Bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stomp's new favorite, Mount Monadnock, is next. <laughs> what a beauty. Beautiful there. Yeah, it really is. Then you've got Imp Face, which is basically um, right by the, in between the Carters and Mariah. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, I, I call this a good sunset hike. This is a good Friday night hike for people. And then we've got Mount Cardigan, 
which is again a western southwestern New Hampshire peak, kind of north of Monadnock. It's a standalone bald summit, which is great. Mm-hmm. Then you got Mount Pogus, which is I think off of the King of Mangus, I believe. It's it's next to Hedgehog Mountain, if I if I'm getting that right. Not and sure. stop, we've got Mount Parker, which is a hike that we did in the snow. We didn't get any views, but yeah. that's off of, um, that's in Bartlett. That's a nice one. I still enjoyed yep. that. That was a nice day. Yep. And then we got a couple in the Ossipee range. We've got Mount Shaw, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, Mount Roberts, and then Mount Israel. Yes. Which, uh, oh no, Israel's squaw, squaw range, but Shaw in... Roberts, our Ossipi Range, and then there's another summit there called Black Snout that I, I tell people to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Yep. Um, one of the more unique hikes on this list is Rogers Ledge, which is off of the Kilkenny Ridge. So this is up past Jericho um, State Park and even past York Pond. It's in what's called South Pond. So you head up by Percy Peak and Stark in that area there to get, get to the trailhead. Nobby's Ledge. <laughs> yes, Bobby's led. Um, and then Sorry. the rest of these stomp are all what I call beginner hikes. That you know, there's probably about 15 of them, starting with that Kearsar South, mm-hmm. which is a nice Friday night. I call all these good Friday night hikes if you want to just kill a few hours. But you've got Mount Kearsar, which is down south, which has a nice fire tower you can go check out. Stinson Mountain, which is over in Wentworth in that area there. Right. Um, Mount Willard, which everybody knows about. That's a great beginner hike. There's Black Mountain, which is in Benton. That's one there of my is, favorites. Uh, me and yeah. Mrs. Stomp, it's amazing. Chippewa Trail. Yes. Yep. And they have the um, the lime kilns there. Oh, yeah. Talk about history. Those things are amazing. Yes. Yeah, they are. Um, Potash Mountain, which um, I think, oh, you know what? I think I got the mixed up. Pogus is the one that is over by, um, over by um, Whiteface Pass of Conway, and then Potash is the one that's next to Hedgehog, so I apologize for that. Gotcha. Um, Table Mountain is off of Beer Notch Road. Then you got Blueberry Mountain, Well Sticky, Mount Hayes. Um, Hedgehog, Middle Sugarloaf, Pine Mountain and Gorham, and then Morgan Percival. So they're all good beginner hikes. Some of them are a little bit more challenging than others, but it's quite a list. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you're somebody that complains about crowds, use this list, and you know you'll hit some crowds like Chicora, Monadnock, Cardigan. You know, you'll hit a few of them, but for the most part, you won't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then retired peak stomp. So there's a couple of these that are retired. There's Black Mountain in Jackson. There's Car Mountain. Oh, yes. Hibbert. Car. Yeah. You've been there. I've oh, been yeah. There. Oh, it's phenomenal. I think about it often. It's it's a really unique place. Not great for views, but it's like a very odd structure up there with old fire tower foundations and whatnot. It's awesome. Is that the one on the, um, the south of the Kinsman's? Uh, it is, and it, the, the quickest reference would be uh, Three Ponds 
Ellsworth, Kineos, the Kineo Range, Hubbard Experimental Forest. So it's in that ballpark. Okay. Uh, you know, if you were going north on 25, um, you pass Stinson Mountain and then Rattlesnake. It's right in that area. Super cool. Okay. Right. Yeah, and then um, Hibbard and Square Ledge are two peaks that are over in that same area by Paugus that I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time there this, this fall and winter uh, in that particular area. So it, it's still, they have some views there. So they, uh, they're not ideal, but they it's definitely worth exploring that area. Iron yeah. Mountain and Jackson, I haven't been on that 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 mountain, but I've heard that they've redone, they've done some trail work there and that it's really nice. Um, hmm. And then Mount Wolf, and then the Royce, the West West Royce, and the Evans Notch is another one I was on this summer, which is really nice. Yeah. So cool. Love the fifty two with a view stomp. Oh, it's great stuff. Great, yeah. great stuff. Um, and I say that I like it better than the four thousand footers personally. It's less crowds. I think that um, it it spreads you out a little bit more. You know, it doesn't get repetitious, and it gives you a, a good variety. For sure, for sure. No question about it. Out of that list, um, Black Mountain does uh, hold a special place for me. It's a, it's a really nice hike. Very steep from the um, Chippewa side, but the, the gorgeous tall pines that surround you, and then it breaks out into open ledges, and you get this view of... Uh, Tunnel Brook and Musilak, which is mind blowing. It's amazing. Yeah, neat yeah, area. I mean, those ledges just go on forever on Black Mountain. It seems like you can spend all day there and just, you know, I eat lunch for like an hour up there, just just relaxing. Yeah, it's a really neat area. One of my faves. But they're all special. <clears throat> they are. You know, it's fun going through this list and thinking through. Like, I'm just thinking about the amount of undercasts that I saw on this list too. Like between Mount Cube. Kearsarge North, you know, I, I, I hit some stuff on Mount Shaw one day. You know, the bald faces, Welsh Dickey, like just, yeah. there's some amazing views on there. Chikora, <laughs> I've been up Monadnock. It's just, there's just some amazing summits on this this list that I, I really love. They're, they're so, so much more satisfying than the 48, in my opinion just because of the views the, the and the ledges and just like these dramatic places that they offer. It's incredible. Yeah. The way I, th- I look at it is I feel like the 4,000 footers was like going to high school and getting my, my, my diploma. The 52 with the views was really getting to know New Hampshire. Yeah. And getting sure. around every corner and getting out to really know, like, I, I, I felt like as I started doing the 52 with the views, like, I could I could tell the personalities of the forest areas that I was hiking in. And you'd start to get to know and be like, oh, yeah, this is the vibe that this forest has versus another forest. Like, you go up to the moats and you're like, okay, they've got a Pacific Northwest vibe. The sandwich range has got like a a more spooky dark forest vibe. <laughs> sure does. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And those open peaks out in in, in uh, the western part of New Hampshire had a different vibe, and then the far north and the Nash Stream that had a different vibe too. So it's just it's like getting your college degree. For sure, it's awesome. Yep. So, anything else on the fifty-two with a view stomp? No, I think that's it. Great job. 
Very good. So big fan and definitely get out there and get it rolling. So now we're going to do uh, some sponsors. Commercial and then search and rescue news. <laughs> yeah. So Sweet Beginnings Daycare is a New Hampshire state licensed child care provider that offers care for children from six weeks to 12 years with flexibility in before and after school care as well. Sweet Beginnings aims to instill a love for learning by providing a safe and positive experience within a loving and warm environment. Sweet Beginnings Daycare believes this is a good foundation to teach children in order to prepare them for their future. For more information, contact them at 603-568-4530. Visit them at Sweet Beginnings Daycare on Facebook or email shandy at shandyelliot at outlook.com. Very good. Very good. So, search and rescue news, Stomp? Yeah, we have a really uplifting story to start the uh, section off with, so. Yeah, I see this here, so we're going to go, yeah, we're going We're going worldwide on this one. So, there was a, this is amazing. I actually kind of forgot about this, but there was a, a earthquake in Syria and Turkey, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the number's up to 50,000 people that died. Unbelievable. But this is a, crazy. a miracle crazy so this video this story is uplifting so uh there is a video circulating hundreds of people witnessed a rescue in person in beznaya bezne a town in the harem district of the on the turkish border yeah and essentially what this was was volunteers from the syrian civil defense pulling out mustafa el sayed his wife dua and their three children miriam zuhir and ilaf so in the video the air is filled with people yelling and cheering they're very excited uh the el sayeds lived on the first floor of a four-story apartment complex that had 170 units housing more than 700 people incredible yeah, so it must have been a pretty big um, apartment building. So when yeah. this quake struck at like four in the morning, the father and mother were jolted awake. They got up to bed to check on their kids sleeping in the adjacent room. And within 30 seconds, the building collapsed and plunged them into darkness. Incredible. So fa- the husband was shouting for his wife. She answered him. They both started screaming. And uh, they were able to call out for their five-year-old son and... Then uh, they were able to identify the rest of the kids there, and um, I guess they spent 40 hours under the rubble, trapped beneath the concrete and steel. I guess they they said that the experience was like they were inside a coffin, so the wife and children would sleep and wake up, but the whole time I stayed conscious, trying to hear any sound of people above us. I can't imagine that. It's so terrifying. It's a miracle. It really is. What a great story. And I'm sure there are many other stories like that. Um, Yeah, he says he couldn't move his legs, but his arms were free. mm -hmm. So, horrifying. Unbelievable. So, uplifting story. Yeah, thank God they found them. So, I don't even want to think about what they experienced in 40 hours, though. Yeah, no kidding. Unbelievable. Brutal. Um, Okay, so the next one here is a sad story. It's a Massachusetts-related hiker here that was hiking in Arches National Park. Uh, A 71-year-old gentleman from Massachusetts who was with his wife and son 
and unfortunately he collapsed and later died while at the park. I don't know if he was hiking or if he was just sort of visiting one of the more accessible areas, but first responders arrived on scene and performed CPR before the man was pronounced dead. So again, you know, we talk about this a little bit a couple episodes ago, but I think that, you know, keeping an eye on your sort of medical situation, not to say that this guy wasn't, but, you know, proactive cardiology assessments, I think are always a good thing to do just to avoid this. But, um, you know, not a lot of detail on this one, but just a sad story. Yeah. Yep. All right, Stomp. And then this next one here is rescuers ask climbers not to rely on Google Maps after a hiker narrowly escapes death on Lake District. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, good advice for sure. I don't think Google Maps is precise enough to be used in the wilderness. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where this is. So this is Cumbria Lake District. Where, where is this? Cumbria, 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 Cumbria. Mm, that's a good question. Hold on, oh, it might be up. over in the UK. Oh no, I don't know. It's the Lake District. Let me click on that for a second. It is from the UK Independent, yeah, north, Northwest England. Yeah, there we go. Okay, very good. So I just wanted to make sure I was. I, I had the right area here. So we're in Northwest England. A guy calls for help at 6.30 on Monday after getting into difficulty on the ridge between Scaffold Pike and Great End. So it wasn't until 2.30 the next day, and he was hypothermic, having spent the night in close to freezing temperatures. He had foot and knee injuries and was subsequently treated at a local hospital. So the Wasdale Mountain Rescue Team was alerted to the man after receiving a call from the local police. They were able to contact him despite his weak phone signal and told him to stay where he was to shelter from the wind. They initiated a search, but they weren't able to find him at the location where they made contact. And they were using rescue dogs from Keswick Mountain Rescue and Cockermouth. And they all came up to the hill in the early hours of Tuesday. They resumed the search first thing in the morning. And they added more rescue teams. So this is a big operation. I'm going to see some pictures here. And yeah, this yeah. looks sort of like... The, <clears throat> Reminiscent of the whites. The, these mountains must be so ancient, Stop, because they're just... They look just like the whites, actually. It's incredible, yeah. Uh, it's so intimidating. Like you're waiting to see a troll come walking through the fog. <laughs> I know. It looks like a total of nine rescue teams, five search dogs, and two drones were involved in this. It was misty, wet weather, which made it very challenging, but they were able to find this guy. And it's interesting. They say, we rarely comment on a rescue, but in this case, we would say he was very, very fortunate to have survived. We also have to say that Google Maps on smartphones are not suitable for navigating on the hills. They lack detail and they won't work with a flat battery. There's no substitute for a map and compass and being able to use them. They can save one's life. So the search and rescue team was not happy. Yeah. Words to live by. Super cool. That's, that was my point when we started this one. It's just There's just no detail on Google Maps in my experience. I mean, they're, meant for, yeah. they're great for driving, but don't take them in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, Stomp. So next one here is... Um, 
Three people died on a Washington mountain on February 20th after the lead climber accidentally triggered an avalanche. Yeah. The group were attempting to climb Kolchak Peak, which has an elevation of 8,700 feet. Tri-staters. Six people were, yeah, so uh, six people were attempting to summit when the accident happened. Four of the group were caught in the avalanche. Three sadly died, but the fourth, a 56-year-old man from New York, sustained only minor injuries and was able to hike back to base camp. That must have been a long hike. Oh, yeah. So, according to the sheriff's office, the victims were a 60-year-old woman from New York, a 66-year-old man from New Jersey, and a 53-year-old man from Connecticut. So, search and rescue operation was launched, but the teams were unable to proceed due to adverse weather conditions. Mm-hmm. So, they had to respond to the lake-driven part of the way by a ATV unit. They raced ba- They reached base camp around one thirty. They were able to determine avalanche conditions with two hazardous to continue to the deceased climbers. So they, de- they escorted the surviving climbers back. And as of the writing, the sheriff's office is continuing to work to come up with a recovery plan. So yeah. as far as I can tell, they haven't recovered them yet. Right. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, so that must have been a long trip back to New York for that guy. Oh yeah, that's terrible. I'm seeing, are you seeing this crazy video embedded in this story? I don't know if this is current, but apparently a snowboarder was caught in an avalanche on Mount Washington. I'm trying to see if it's a, a current video. It says skier involved in avalanche on Mount Washington, blah, blah, blah. You see that? Yeah, I've seen this video before. I think it's an older one. Okay, interesting. I just saw my goal. That's interesting. Huh. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, the next one here, and the last story we have here is Maine Fire Warden finds missing Topsham women. Oh, I saw this story. It's a great <laughs> it like story. It's a Thelma and Louise deal. Right? Yeah, well, we don't really hear about the Maine Wardens too much, and they are always out there active. And this is a, we talk about being prepared with stuff in your car just in case you run into trouble, and this could have been really bad for these people. Yeah, these and these two women were on social media, and they were there was a be on the lookout announcement for them for a couple of days. So I think that they were, I think that they were mentally impaired older folks that had sort of walked away from a whether it was a group home or something. I don't know the deal, but they were they were on the lookout for them, and they ended up like basically <sighs> stranded down a road. And snowed in. Yeah. So, uh, but you're right. They they didn't. If they didn't get found, it could have been really bad. Well, yeah, because you have the details. They spent the night in the car with no heat, with temperatures dropping to around minus fifteen degrees. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been scary. Yeah, that could have been bad. So they were out of gas. Wow. Yeah. Hey, another miracle. So we're full of miracles and happiness this week right mike we are we are we did the 52 with a view which is a miracle we've made 95 episodes which is a miracle and i'm happy that these two ladies were found yeah there we go count your blessings so the blessings so we'll see you all on sunday at reckless yeah and then we'll we'll talk to you next week in episode 96 take care everybody thank you for listening If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.